0: we've got time here on The Breakfast Show. We have a fascinating Bible study to get involved in this morning from an obscure book of the Bible. I love studying obscure books. Before we go there, Lawson is going to bring us another question for our quiz. All right, next question.
1: Pharaoh increased the burden of the Israelites by commanding them to gather their own straw. Is that true or False. Okay. So that was a statement. You have to say whether it's true or false. Again, Pharaoh increased the burden of the Israelites by commanding them to gather their own straw. True or false? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer. To that one, and if you do, you'll go into the draw to win Shipwrecks and Snake Bites. The incredible board game that we are giving away. It's like a tile geography building board game where you expand the map and you're basically following Paul's journey on how well he went through shipwrecks and he went through snake bites as well as the other various missionary journeys that he went through winning people. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you You know the answer to that one. And again, that question was, Pharaoh increased the burden of the Israelites by commanding them to gather their own straw. True or false?
0: Uh, Right. If you know the answer, give us a call or shoot us a text message right now. Speaking about text messages, we have a number of text messages that have come through from the first part of the show. And the first one says, In answer to your question, Lawson, there has to be more doors than wheels because every house has at least one. Mm -hmm. And the average Western house has at least four uh front door plus three bedrooms Mm well that's kind of like i think there'd be a lot more than four but anyway whatever um and additionally every car has at least two and most have four or more yeah but there's
1: cars that don't have doors and they're called motorcycles
0: this is the interesting question because there's also such things as like trolleys trolleys
1: my fridge has wheels push bikes push bikes this this was like your, a, your your computer chair has six. That's right. This was a big trend, like, probably like three months ago, like amongst young people. We, we, it was we, a debate. We were perplexed with the question: Is there more doors or wheels? And so I'm I'm happy to
0: to let Alice and us dwell on that one. Too. Yeah. Now let's let dwell on something.
1: Let's let's dwell on, uh, let's do, let's dwell more on Christ. Yeah. That's right.
0: <laughs> that's right. All right. Uh, about the nuclear family. It is God-ordained and backed by scientific studies. What does the LGBT community have to back up their stance? Increased suicides? I'm starting to see how when God said, lest those times be cut short, there would be no one left. We are fast heading into that time Mm -hmm. to make it reality already is for some parts of the world. And Thomas says, why domesticated animals in the wild thrive? Minus vaccines. What does it tell you about God? Mm. It's interesting it's it's also interesting that mm. you get circumstances where if we didn't intervene as human beings there would be species that would become extinct such as the Tasmanian devil with mm-hmm. their facial tumor problem mm. uh, so you know okay most animals do thrive in the wild and a cat lives much better when it's left alone. We just haven't mm. heard about that on the news. Hate your cat, it'll be happier. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was so funny, bro. <laughs> and a dog lives longer if it lives outside than if it lives inside. Mm-hmm. But it also lives longer if
1: it's supported by a human.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. So,
1: so I think because yeah. conservation. I think isn't, it a bit both ways. Conservation isn't about giving an animals like complete autonomy and independence. Conservation is about preserving their lives, which is done by human inter. Like it is a type of human intervention to enable them to live freely. Mm. Like conservation is an anti-intervention. That's what I would would say anyway.
0: Well, there are different forms of conservation Mm -hmm. because there are some conservationists who are extremely interventionist. Mm. Uh, And, uh, you know, the biblical model is to be interventionist. Yes. Because we were given the world as human beings to manage it. Then you have conservationists who are true evolutionists and they're like, don't touch anything Mm. because you'll mess up the process of survival of the fittest. Just... Let it be, but I want
1: to mess it up because I think animals are cute and they shouldn't die. Like some of them that would probably die,
0: like turtles, which is an, an emotional response. Yeah, um, which is not necessarily wrong. It's just emotional.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess I'm wrong.
0: No, I'm not no, wrong. No. I'm I'm right. No, we are, we've been given responsibility to take to manage the animal population of our planet. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Amen. Okay, the isms. This organization is obviously run by the New World Order propaganda machine, isn't? Amazing the way isn't it amazing the way it works is they set up an organization, fund it, tell them what to say, uh, by their makeup research, and like magic it's now true and we have to believe it because they say so. Mm. Unfortunately, in reporting it, as we should, we also advertise their propaganda. Absolutely genius marketing. Mm-hmm. The same goes for all of their propaganda. And there's an element of truth to that. At the same time, these are things that we need to know about and we need to because by knowing about them, we recognize that these are signs of the times, they're signs that Jesus is coming back soon, which is an important part of being a Christian because mm. the return of Christ is one of the most prominent themes that there is anywhere in the Bible and particularly in the New Testament. Mm.
1: Yeah, we have our own quote-unquote, yeah, well, I wouldn't call it propaganda, but we, we have our own standard in which we can rely on to be able to face the ways of propaganda, and that is the Bible. Like, yes. In in the face of all this Propaganda, you could say, and it's like, oh, if you talk about it, you're promoting it. But it's like, oh, I'm talking about it to steer people to something better, which is God. But we're probably going to be doing that right now, right? We're getting into a Bible study.
0: We're getting into a Bible study, so mm-hmm. let's let's jump in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Lawson, if I came to you one day and I'm like, man, I'm really down right now. Uh-huh. I've just been I've just been smashed. Uh-huh. I've been taking a thorough beating, and my world is just uh, collapsing around me. I've been facing so much injustice, Mm. you know, there's got some some court cases where I was innocent and I've just been smashed by those and it's just not right and things are really, really terrible. Let's say I was recently imprisoned for doing something that I didn't do. Okay, sure. Um, And and, and I'm just really down right now. Uh How are you going to respond? Okay, so I'm going to take you
1: to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. I'm going to show you the fall of man. I'm going to say, you deserve it. Thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) You're so lame. Uh, I am lame. You are so lame. If you've got a, a Bible
0: study contact and uh, they come to you with yeah. a story like this, how are you going to respond?
1: Well, I think there is something that can be gained from comforting them, you know, emotionally listening to what they're going through and whatnot. I think within the context of a Bible study, there is there, there are very, very many verses that come to my head uh, that I could take to them to. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Romans eight thirty two, uh just the entirety of Hebrews 12. Yep. Like, they, they might go to just to, to encourage people and say, hey, God understands... Oh, Hebrews 4 as well. Uh, God understands what you're going through, and he wants to help you through it. So... That's okay, so I'm let's thinking. go to uh, the Book of
0: Habakkuk, chapter one. Oh, let's. I love the Book of Habakkuk, dude. Let's, let's see how go. God responds because Habakkuk has a bit of a similar kind of experience. Yeah. He's been taking a beating. There is so he's surrounded by so much injustice. Everything is going wrong. Everything is bad, and he has a burden about it. Okay, Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 1, what does it say? The Bible
1: says, the Lord is a jealous God. Whoa, 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 mine doesn't say that. I'm it. reading Nahum, that's why. Sorry, okay. my, Nahum, my, Nahum is so cool as well. My my pages are stuck together. Okay, how Nahum, long... Nahum and Habakkuk should go together. Dude, they're so good. I, lo- I love Habakkuk. Habakkuk was like one of the first books of the Bible, I think, I studied through and read and like worked something out. Like I was like 18... I'm, like, reading my Bible. You know, I'd read the Gospels. I'd, like, I was studying. I was, like, listening to Bible studies and doing Bible studies with people, and I was, like, so mind-blown. Habakkuk's the first book in the Bible where I, like, studied it for myself, and I was, like, that's what it means. That's what it means. I was, like, so impressed. I was, like, God, thank you. Like, I'm so (laughs) stupid, and you helped me see something cool. So, but, yeah, Habakkuk, epic book. Okay. All right. Verse 1. Verse 1. How long? Oh, oh. Well, verse one is this: is a message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision.
0: <laughs> NLT. We no, no, no. Verse one. Verse <laughs> one. What did you say? This is a message that the prophet Habakkuk received it's in a vision. A new lame translation. What does your say? The burden of Habakkuk, the prophet. Okay, so he's burdened by something. Uh-huh. here. It's uh-huh. not just a vision that he saw. It's not just he's burdened by something. Yes. This isn't this is bad. You read verse four. In verse 4
1: it says The law has become paralyzed There is no justice in the courts The wicked are far outnumbered; have far outnumbered the righteous So that justice has become perverted
0: Okay mm. So Habakkuk's got a bit of a burden here mm-hmm. And the world has gone to pot mm. And he goes to God mm-hmm. Much like someone might come to us We work in ministry People come to us from time to time And so Habakkuk take, takes this to God To see how God is going to respond Give him some comfort
1: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
0: Okay, so Habakkuk's got this burden and Mm -hmm. the world has gone just terrible Mm -hmm. and he's dealing with terrible stuff and he's surrounded by violence and he's Mm -hmm. surrounded by bloodshed and he's surrounded by injustice Mm -hmm. and it's just a terrible place and he takes his burden to God and how does God respond? God says, well, actually, you know, because you and I would, would, you know, Romans eight twenty eight you know all, <laughs> all, all all things work together for good to the, you know we we try and find some comfort and support and give the guy some support God just turns around like yeah yeah it's pretty bad eh it's going to get worse by the way yeah it's just going to get way worse because uh, it's the, going downhill from here
1: the time period in which this is written this is directly preceding the <laughs> invasion of Jerusalem and the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians by the Babylonians like the yes. complete and utter destruction
0: of Jerusalem. And he's looking at Jerusalem. The reason that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed is because they're so far from God. Yeah. And Habakkuk is the local pastor there, so to speak, and he's super discouraged because it's so bad and he takes it to God and God's like, yeah, it's going to (laughs) get (laughs) worse. And it's a little bit like you and I this morning. We share a pretty serious story on um, the radio this morning about familiarism. Mm. And by the way, I misread that text. Uh, about reporting it, and it says it should be reported, not that it should not be reported. I'm not sure how I misread that, but anyway, yes. I did misread that. Um, but if we report a story like that and it gives you that feeling, it's like, Lord, why why do you allow this to happen? Mm. You know, our world mm. is going just insane, mm-hmm. and our world is so determined in its rebellion against God that it will do away with any kind of scientific research in an effort to justify, justify something that is against God, mm-hmm. and the simple reality is that you know when it talks of, when we talk about the destruction of the family, the reason that there are so many people who are so incensed with the concept of the family and so desperate to get rid of the concept of the family is because you do not find that concept in nature. You find it in the Word of God.
1: Mm.
0: You know, in nature what you're going to find is you're going to find your alpha male who breeds with all the females and nobody else gets a look in until he dies and is or is is fought off. And the only way that you ever get to be an alpha male and breed with the females is to, you know, stand up and fight and put your life on the line. And it's, you know, a tooth and claw rule of the jungle. mm Not every animal society is like that, but so many of them are. Mm. And so an evolutionist looks at that and says, well, there's no model in nature for morality. Mm. And we have this thing that is controlling our world called morality. It's called the nuclear family. And because it originates with God and because God said to do this, and we want to fight against God, then the only way we can do that is to do whatever we can with the highest level of determination to get rid of it. Mm. And so this is what we see happening in our world, and it's just this desperation that human beings have to rebel mm-hmm. and to be as far from God as they can be. And it can make us feel like, you know, I'm just, I am just I just don't belong in this world anymore. I just want to stop the world. I want to get off. I just want mm. to leave. I, I Lord, come soon. Bring an end to it, because there is pain, there is misery, there is suffering, there is injustice, there is exclusion, there is uh, bigotry. There is, you know, so much that is just so wrong in this world, and we're in a similar situation to Habakkuk, because when we come to God with that, God says, "Yep, it's, mm. and it's going to get worse." Mm. He's like, <laughs> "Yep, this is not what you and I say to people when they come to us." Yeah. But God does say this from time well, to time. Oh hey,
1: I kind of, you know, I I was just I was I was playing compassionate. I gave you my real answer in the beginning. It's it's your fault. No, no. no we we definitely see here that uh Habakkuk's complaint is not uh is he is not given a resolution that he's hope, that he hopes for because it goes on to say in Habakkuk chapter 1 and reading verse five, it says, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I'm doing something in your own day. Something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about mm-hmm. it. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and they will do whatever they like and their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusks. Their chariots <laughs> charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down and devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against the walls and capture them. They sweep past like a wind and are gone, but they, will, they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their god. So he's basically like... This is so funny. Habakkuk's like, God, the world's falling apart. Help me. And he's like, hey, look and be amazed. I'm doing something incredible. The Babylonians are going to come and kill all of you.
0: Yeah, I don't know how I'd respond if I went to my local pastor for a little bit of comfort and support. And he replied with that. Yeah. This is a really hectic passage of scripture. Mm. Um, by the way, Joe, uh, Sky says that a great place to take people to uh, when they're suffering, you know, a lot of injustice and so forth, and things are going bad in their life is the Book of Job, mm. and it's very, very relevant that Sky mentions this because he have got a situation. You know, and the key thing with Job is that terrible things happen to Job. Mm. He has no idea why, mm. but then he gets that rare behind-the-scenes view and understands why. Because you know he just wakes up one day and all his possessions and are taken and his family's dead. Mm. He's gone from being a very wealthy man to being in abject poverty. Wakes up the next day and he is diseased from the top of his head to the bottom of his foot and in pain. Mm. And he can't get much worse than that. And he has no idea why that has happened. Mm-hmm. But what was that at stake in this story was the allegiance of the entire universe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we don't see the big picture. We only see the small picture. We see what is happening to us. It's kind of looking like looking through a pinhole. You don't get to see a whole lot. Mm. Okay, so let's have a wait, let's go let's go back through. You, you've read uh, five to eleven. Five to eleven. Mm. There's some pretty wild stuff here. And yeah. let's think about the Chaldeans because the Bible talks about the Chaldeans here. Does yours say Chaldeans? And or mine Babylonians? says Babylonians. Ah, see, mine says Chaldeans. Mm. Which one's correct? Uh, I would, I
1: would say yours. I think they're both correct yes, because, because it, mine's the King James version. Of course, it's correct. But but it's essentially you have Chaldeans, which is a race of people yes. that represent the
0: Empire of Babylon, kind of. Because you had Babylonians, which were a race of people as well. Uh huh. But at this time, is who were we, conquered by the Chaldeans? That's right. This and is, ruled by the Chaldeans.
1: We're talking about the Neo Babylonian
0: Empire. Yes, so we are. Yeah. So Nebuchadnezzar II was a Chaldean. Uh, the Chaldeans came from further south. They conquered the city of Babylon, and because it was the city of Babylon and because a lot of the people that they were controlling were Babylonian, they uh, identified their empire as being a Babylonian empire because mm. it ruled from Babylon in mm. the province of Babylonia. But you talk to people from Iraq today, and some of them will say, yeah, I'm Chaldean, and others will say, yeah, I'm Babylonian, or you know, whatever it might be. They still identify as these different people groups right through until this day. And technically speaking, the technically correct is that they were Chaldeans mm. because Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean and this was our, a Chaldean dynasty that actually accomplished this. Mm. Uh, from another perspective, possibly the larger portion of their armies, I mean this was these were very conglomerate armies with lots of different tribes that were involved as a part of the Babylonian Empire, but probably one of the larger portions of the army would have been Babylonian.
1: Mm.
0: And so, yeah, it kind of cuts a little bit of both ways right here. But the Bible talks about their extreme violence. Yeah. And you get some little tidbits of the level of that violence Mm -hmm. when you look at Nebuchadnezzar and the just crazy, crazy... Uh, psychopath that he could be at times mm. until he gave his life to Jesus Christ. I mean, here's a guy who calls in his cabinet, his entire cabinet. I mean, these are really valuable individuals. These are people of experience. These are people who have been around a long time. And so he says, I dreamed a dream the other night. I can't remember it. You need to tell me what I dreamed and tell me the interpretation. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you all. And by the way, there's a bunch of his family members there. Mm. I'm going to kill you all and turn your houses into pile of dung. Mm. Now, this gives you an insight into the kind of people that the Babylonians and the Chaldeans were. You're
1: listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM.
0: Positively different. Let's have another question for our quiz.
1: Okay, 0491 064 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to the coming question. So get ready. What was the name of Ruth's sister-in-law? What was the name of Ruth's sister-in-law? 0491 064 669. Now, I want to use this opportunity to not only tell you about the prize, but also plug our Facebook. If you head onto Facebook and you go Faith FM Australia, you'll find our Facebook page. And on our Facebook page is actually an explanation and a great look at what our prize is for this week, which is the Shipwrecks and Snake Bites board game. It's this epic Kind of geography building tile board game where you create a kind of map system of the various missionary journeys that Paul went on. Very cool. So if that's a game that you want to play with your friends or your kids or people you know, zero for, and if you win, by the way, and shipwrecks, I'm in. If you win, you have to invite us to come over and play it because we will win. (laughs) <laughs> we will win. <laughs> we will win. 0491 is the number to call or text or head to our Facebook page. But again, that question was, what
0: was the name of Ruth's sister-in-law? And by the way, give us a call. Give us a text message. Let us know your thoughts on today's Bible study. Have you been studying the book of Habakkuk and what does it mean to you? Mm. Let's go to, uh, let's, let's, okay, so let's, let's continue on here. Let's continue on with this thought for a moment. Mm -hmm. So here we've got a situation where Habakkuk comes to God and he's like, things are really tough right now. I'm going through a really rough time. And God's like, yeah, it's going to get worse.
1: Mm. Is God
0: being cruel right here? I mean, you and I, we don't typically do that. We take people to the book of Job, we take them to, you know, Mm. Romans 8 28, and we give them some encouragement and we lift them up. We don't just turn around and say, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 terrible. That's that's going to get way worse. Mm-hmm. But is there a time and a place to say, "Yeah, that's going to get way worse"? There is. Ultimately, what we see here
1: is God giving people what they need to hear. Yes, which is not what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. What God is God being real? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And so, and it's interesting how he starts off this passage by saying. Look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Like he's about to tell him to really, something really shocking, but that he needs to hear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A- and why does he need to hear it? Because like this is the message. It's like Habakkuk's God's prophet. Yes. This is the message that he needs to give to the people.
0: It's a little bit like if you go to the doctor uh-huh. and you've got a medical complaint. The doctor does his diagnosis and the doctor comes back and says, look, here's here's how it's going to be. Mm -hmm. You're at this stage right now, Mm -hmm. but it's going to go to this stage, which is infinitely worse. So you've got a little bit of discomfort now. You're going to be in agonizing pain further on. Mm -hmm. But when you read the book of Habakkuk, what the doctor then says is, but you're going to recover. Mm -hmm. And this is what God says in this passage. Mm -hmm. Now, this would have been something very real to Habakkuk because we mentioned Nahum and we accidentally started in Nahum. Mm -hmm. Nahum was written... Uh, just before the Assyrians turned up and took Israel captive, sure, Habakkuk is the parallel because it 's written just before the Babylonians turn up, and the thing for Habakkuk is he actually knows what it looks like, what he 's prophesying mm. because he 's seen it when the Assyrians came mm. And uh, that would be even a little bit more traumatic, I think, because like this is going to be a rerun of the Assyrians, but they're going to come to Judah this time. They're not going to stop short in, in Israel. Yeah. They're, they're coming all they're the way They're taking for everything. They're taking us. Mm. And uh, that enables a person to be able to, at least if nothing else, get themselves in the emotional fitness that they need to be able to deal with what is going to take place.
1: That's right. Yeah. Because this is this is the ultimate thing. This is something that needs to take place. That's right. For the sake of God's people and ultimately, you know, and this is, this is something we looked at when we studied through the book of Genesis and, and why it is that God established, you know, Israel's nation and called Abraham. Like the ultimate purpose is to bring the Messiah into the world so that yes. everyone can be saved. That's right. And if this needs to take place to fulfill that purpose then it needs to take place. Did it have to take place? No. No. (laughs) No. They didn't have to be here. But as a result of their actions, this needs to take place so that Jesus can come.
0: Okay. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter two, verse two and three. Let's read what it says right there.
1: It says here, then the Lord said to me, write my answers plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time it describes the end and it will be fulfilled if it seems slow in coming wait patiently for it will surely take place it will not be delayed
0: okay so this is interesting because paul quotes this in the book of hebrews mm. and uh, when he quotes it in the in, in the book of hebrews you know there's a messianic application to this there is a judgment application to mm. this there is a number of different applications to this Uh, aspect of the prophecy, but basically what Habakkuk is told to do is like, okay, it might not look like it's being fulfilled straight away and we probably should give a little bit of background to this. Did we read... uh, We didn't read Habakkuk's response. We didn't read Habakkuk's response and we didn't read God's response where God says like, yeah, I'm going to come after the Babylonians eventually. Mm -hmm. But basically what happens is this. Habakkuk says things are really bad and I'm having a hard time. God says it's going to get worse. The Babylonians are going to come and take everybody captive. Mm. Um, Habakkuk gets pretty sad about that. He's like, are you serious? (laughs) Uh uh I came for comfort and you said that. And God's like, yeah, I need to be real with you. Mm. And then God's like, but yeah, I'm going to destroy the Babylonians. Yeah. And then he says this Mm -hmm. about waiting Mm -hmm. and having patience. Why do you think that God says this and why do you think they needed it?
1: Uh, Because... Ultimately, again, it just comes back to this is this is something that they have to go through, Yes, and God will ultimately restore them.
0: I mean, you've been in 70 years in captivity. You think about Daniel because he did the full mm. 70. Not everybody did the full 70, but mm. Daniel does. Mm-hmm. And he's praying every single day, three times a day, towards Jerusalem for the restoration of the city and the temple. Yes. For 70 years. Mm. And the promise here in Habakkuk is, wait for it. Even though it is delayed, wait for it, Mm -hmm. it will happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go to chapter 3, verse 16. Oh, we're not going to
1: read verse 4? Okay,
0: read verse 4. Come
1: on, Lyle. Read verse 4. Come on. The verse that started the Reformation right right. here. You ready? Yes. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God.
0: Yes, that was the one that started the Great Reformation of the 16th century that was just like a... A blast inside of Martin Luther's head that he couldn't get out. Mm. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk chapter three, verse sixteen to nineteen. Let's uh, let's
1: read this. It one. says, "I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me. I shook with terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines. Even though the oil crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though." The flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as as a deer, able to tread upon the heights.
0: Okay, so this is what Habakkuk has to say after he has this vision in chapter 3 where God reveals his power. Mm. He sees God's power. He sees God just walking through the land, God doing what God wants to do, God destroying the Babylonians, God releasing the captives to come back. He sees all of this happening and he's like, okay, things are going to be bad. There's not going to be any food. There's nothing going to be to eat. It's going to be terrible, but I'm going to rejoice because I know what God is going to do. And Habakkuk's not going to live to see it. Mm-hmm. He'll live to see the distraction but not the restoration. And this is the faith that we need to have in God. How many people do we know that have seen destruction on this world but have not seen the restoration that God brings when Jesus returns? May we all be able to see that full and complete restoration. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show. We're about to have a question of the day. Before we do, we have answers for the quiz. All right,
1: answers for the quiz. What, where, where were the Jewish leaders willing to kick people out of if they believed Jesus was the Messiah? The synagogue. Jonah was called Nineveh. Jonah called Nineveh to repentance. Uh, which disciple was the brother brother of Peter? That was Andrew. Pharaoh increased the burden of the Israelites by commanding them to gather their own straw. That was true and finally what was ruth's sister-in-law's name it was orpah but right now it is time for question
0: of the day
1: all right was eve created on the first sixth day along with adam he named all the animals and had time to get lonely
0: lonely it sounds like a lot it's from karen Yeah, that's a a very interesting question, Karen, and did a bit of thinking about this. Okay, so a number of things to consider. How do you name all the animals in one day? Uh, That's probably an impossibility in today's world because there are so many different kinds of animals that there are, you know, there's... Um, such a myriad that there it is. A couple of things taken into consideration is that this is probably something that wouldn't have taken Adam a long time to come up with names. Just like, here's one, name it. Here's one, name it. You know, you could you could do a lot in one day and be like, wow, that's pretty incredible. Oh, look at that. You know, and and be very fascinated by it. The other thing is that. While we don't believe in evolution, we do believe in adaptation. For instance, we do know that all dogs came from two original wolf-like creatures, and so there would have been a lot less animals to name in the Garden of Eden than what there is now. There would be less diversity. God created this world in such a way that it would create a massive amount of diversity. Just look at human beings. Look at the diversity that there is in human beings. And so we ask ourselves the question, You know, did Adam name every species? or did he name every genus, or did he name every family or order or class? Mm. And then you could go up to Film Kingdom and Domain. I think that it was a little bit more specific than those ones. But if you take a fox, for instance, which its species is Velopez velapes, its genus is Velapes, but his family is Canidae, in other words, a canine, so it's a dog, in uh, Adam's day there would have just been here two dogs. Oh, dog, move on. And so from that perspective, I think there would have been a lot less animals that uh, Adam would have needed the time to name. Now, this is what the Bible actually says about this. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says, Adam gave names to all the cattle and every birds of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was found there was not found a helpmate for him. I think it would not have taken very long at all as Adam is in the process of naming all of these different creatures that God brings to him to notice that he's by himself. And it doesn't take long to get lonely. Mm. You, can, you can get lonely in five minutes mm-hmm. hanging out by yourself. Try being a crowd of people one time or at a party where nobody speaks to you. Mm-hmm and you don't know anyone, after five minutes, you're going to feel lonely. If you don't go and introduce yourself to someone and start a conversation and join in somewhere, you're going to feel lonely. It does not take long to feel lonely. The Bible says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh. And the rib which the Lord had taken from the man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. Okay, so the question is, did this all happen on the same day? So you have two accounts of the creation of the world. We go back to the first account of creation. What we find is in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, In the image of God created he, him. Male and female created he them. Mm. So the Bible says, God blessed them. God said, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and, and, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the waters. And uh, then the Bible says, that God saw, verse 31, God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good in the evening and the morning with the sixth day. So the Bible is very, very clear that Eve was made on the sixth day. She was just made later on the sixth day than what Adam was. Mm. Uh, And so, yes, how exactly that all took place, I don't know. We'll have to watch the rerun sometime when we get to heaven and see how it happened fascinating story right there it's the end of the breakfast show which is kind of sad we're going to miss you guys until we join up again tomorrow morning don't forget as you go through this day to spend some time with jesus if you'd like to do a bible study course for free give us a call we'll make it happen for you don't forget to talk faith to live faith to act faith and you will go strong in jesus christ